So, Jeremy, now mm. that you've successfully outrun the tea, <laughs> although yeah, you were hopping you and hopping, right? Could we see you at the starting line in Hopkinton on Monday? I will be there. Um, I won't be running. And also, as I've learned this morning, I will be in the company of at least one person who is well over a foot taller than me. <laughs> this is what's on tap. From the GBH Newsroom in Boston, I'm Paris Alston. And I'm Jeremy Siegel. And some big names and some big people will be running the Boston <laughs> at least Marathon bigger than you, on Monday. Right? <laughs> yes, one who is six foot nine. We oh will tell goodness. you who they are in just a minute. But first, some big housing news in Worcester. They approved an inclusionary zoning ordinance last night with the goal of bringing more affordable housing to the city as it faces, like everywhere else, an affordable housing crunch. Absolutely. And, you know, Worcester has been booming for a while now. But, of course, that housing affordability is becoming less and less a reality. It used to be that people would leave places like Boston, go out to Worcester because it was cheaper. Um, but that's increasingly no longer the case. Right now, there's just under 14 percent of the housing stock that's designated for low to moderate income. Um, folks. That's compared to 16% in Boston, mm. so not a whole lot less there. Um, as you can see, it's, it's inching closer and closer together. And just so you know, like the median rent there is about $1,800, and the majority of winter renters in the city of Worcester make less than $50,000. So you can do the math there and see um, how that can create a crunch for folks who are trying to just afford a place to live. To do something about this crunch, um, inclusionary zoning is a proposal that's been pushed for some time in Worcester. Uh, it has been controversial with people, you know, pushing for different versions of this. And for people who don't know, inclusionary zone is kind of an umbrella term for housing programs to uh, have city policies that either require or heavily incentivize developers of virtually all buildings with large numbers of units mm -hmm. to have to build affordable housing in some way or another. Then the specifics of programs in inclusionary zoning comes down to the individual cities or towns or jurisdictions that come up with their own. So Worcester has now passed a form of its own. Yes. And you mentioned how there were some disagreements. A lot of this sort of um, was boiling down to the percentage of annual median income. So this mm -hmm. is a key thing that happens when we talk about things like inclusionary zoning, because it determines, okay, not only you know how many units are going to be designated for this, but also who's going to qualify for mm -hmm. them. And so in Worcester, uh, there was there was some tension around whether to make that 60% or 80%, um, because this is something that's set by the Department of Housing and Urban Development at the federal level. And it lists the annual median income, also known as the AMI, in Worcester for one person, a one person household at $46,000 um, and 80%, that's for 60% of the annual median mm -hmm. income. And for 80% of that, it would be at $61,000. So sometimes this can be tricky because say that you're like a single person uh, or a single parent maybe, right? And you may have two people because sometimes there are requirements for how many people have to be living for, to, to get a certain percentage of that annual median income. And if you have like a kid and you're making a single income, right? But like technically you qualify for a certain percentage to be paying in that affordable housing unit. Yeah. Yeah. It may not actually end up being affordable for you. Um, and it's reasons like this that housing advocates such as Councilor Christian King out in Worcester say that the policy as it is doesn't go far enough. Wages are low, rents are high, and we know the disproportionate impacts 
that it has on people of color, folks of lower socioeconomic status, immigrants. And this is something that on the other end uh, was some Worcester city councilors, city leaders who the proposal that ended up going through is from the city itself. Um, they would say it's better to pass something than nothing. It remains to be seen how exactly this will turn out. There's also not a whole lot of data on inclusionary zoning policies mm-hmm. themselves. I mean, it's not too far of a leap to assume that programs that require affordable housing to be built end up having more affordable housing being built. I found one report that comes from the Harvard Graduate School of Design. Uh, A student there, Dixie Wu, analyzed programs in New England and did find on the whole that communities that do have their own inclusionary zoning policies do on the whole virtually like across um, all states, uh, Connecticut had some exceptions, produce closer to the affordable housing goal that the state of Massachusetts or their respective states. Mm, which is have the goal proposed. that everyone's ever trying to achieve, right? And it's I mean it's striking a balance with developers too, right? Because obviously they're they're trying to make money for for the, the units that they're producing. And that's the criticism on the other side is that inclusionary zoning would disincentivize developers from building more housing in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well shout out to our colleague GBH's Sam Turkin out in Worcester who uh, continues to to re- keep his eye on this and report very closely. You can check out more of his reports reporting on this at gbhnews.org. So I mentioned earlier that I will be at the starting line for the Boston Marathon, which actually, as we speak, Paris, in Hopkinton, the starting line for the marathon is being Mm -hmm. painted. Yeah. And the finish line for uh, the race, which, of course, is in Boston near Copley Square, is being painted in Boston tomorrow. I actually, when I was doing the T-Run, we had our finish line set up right at the finish line of of, uh, of the marathon. And there is, you can actually see it right now. So I I guess they're probably doing like- Year, yeah, they, okay. I think they re- repaint it every year. So they're going to be doing that tomorrow in Boston. I'm curious to hear from people. If you are running the marathon, let us know. Also, let us know why you're running. What are you running from? Text us at 617-300. My pain, my troubles, all of my stresses. 617-300-2008 is the number. Again, 617-300-2008. So we're learning more about some of the big names, the, some of the celebrities who are running the race. I mentioned one of them is clocking in at six foot nine. Zidane Chara, former Bruin, former tallest player ever in the NHL, probably will become oh one of the goodness. tallest marathoners to ever. Can you imagine Boston. going up against him in hockey? Sorry, I just like for, I, I did not realize he was so tall. He's extremely <laughs> tall. Yeah, I mean, imagine being at the starting line in Hopkinton, getting for ready real? for your race, and having him next to you. It's kind of interesting though when you do look at runners, especially distance runners. Many of them are tall, but not this tall uh usain bolt is actually pretty tall on the whole but it's kind of an exception to the rules of runners generally are not super super right tall. i don't know exactly the the physics of it all but i imagine, I mean, I imagine it could be like, a slight drawback yeah like being smaller makes you a little more nimble or either maybe you have more endurance mm-hmm. or something i could not find up, i don't know yeah i could not find a list of like who the tallest marathon runners in boston history are but i i'm guessing jara is Close to the top of that list. Uh, He'll be running to support the Thomas E. Smith Foundation and the Hoyt Foundation. Smith Foundation supports people living with paralysis. The Hoyt Foundation um, helps uh, build self-confidence and self-esteem of disabled young people in the U.S., 
Other people running include Ryan Dempster, who won the World Series with the Sox in 2013, was starting pitcher for the Sox on Patriot Day um, when the bombs at the finish line went mm-hmm. off. Also, Iliad Kipchoge, who people might know as the greatest marathoner around, will be running Boston. Yeah, He's hoping good. to complete his quest to win all of the six major 26 miles. Oh my goodness, that's exciting. That'll be a, a treat to watch for yeah. sure. The first person to break two hours for a marathon in history, that's almost certainly not going to be done at Boston this time around because he kind of did it under ridiculously controlled environment <laughs> under two hours, which is just wild for a marathon. Um, Edna Kiplajet is a 43-year-old Kenjin, Kenyan who's looking to get her third victory on the course in six starts. She's world champion also uh, in the women's field. Sarah Hall and Des Linden among some of the most notable oh, yeah. American Lennon, women elites. Always a favorite yeah. to, to see and watch how she performs there, too. Well, as many of us know, this year is going to mark 10 years since the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, and in that time, you know, we've mobilized around this uh, Boston Strong, right? That's, that's, mm-hmm. That is something that is um, a spirit carried throughout the city, not only on Marathon Monday, but all throughout the year. One Boston Day is going to be this Saturday. Folks are already doing stuff this week um, to, to sort of emulate that strength and resilience that we saw in the way of the bombing, uh, including Mark Wahlberg bragging groceries at his old stomping ground and stop and shop in Quincy, which we were talking about earlier this morning. And today, a new three-part docuseries about the bombing is coming to Netflix. A decision was made to shut down the city. What ended up happening is exactly what we didn't want to happen. We consider them to be armed and extremely dangerous. So this basically details the search for the suspects, for the Tsarnaevs, mm-hmm. in the aftermath of the bombing. Many people will recall the lockdown that happened um, and how surreal it was. We were not here. Neither of us were here at that time, but have you know have obviously heard about it in the many years since. Um, and it also kind of go behind the scenes of all the national security efforts that went into this. One person I want to highlight who was a big key player in this, who was also going to be running on Monday, is then police commissioner bill evans um it was quite fascinating um and and just striking because he ran the marathon crossed the finish line and Mm -hmm. then immediately had to put on his hat as commissioner and go into crisis mode to respond to this tragedy um and so he's going to be on bpr today actually talking more about this um and talking more about just you know his reflections and and how you know why he's running this year i understand that he also spoke to nbc 10 recently for a special interview that they're going to be doing about the anniversary and how it's affected him in the years since. Here's a little snippet of that. After the bombing, I remember speaking to a guy from Israel who, who specialized in trauma. And I, I, I told him all I did, and I said to him afterwards, I said, uh, what's your recommendation for me? And you know he said to me? Just keep running. That's your medicine. So, hey, like I definitely joked earlier about running away from things, right? But for many people, um, running is a, is an escape and yeah. a way to cope with some of the things that they dealt with, including being, you know, being there that day and surviving that. Here are a few things happening today. At 11 a.m. outside Moakley Courthouse, federal authorities are going to hold a news conference to announce the arrest of a theft and burglary crew responsible for stealing catalytic converters. And then at 6 p.m., it's Sip and Stitch at the Austin branch of the BPL. That is what's on tap for Wednesday, April 12th. I'm Jeremy Siegel. And I'm Paris Alston. This is GBH News. GBH.